0: It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. The Allies were on a roll in 1943. They took North Africa, gained control over the Mediterranean Sea, took Sicily, took Corsica, and were marching north up through the boot of Italy. And they ran into a wall known as the Gustav Line. Hey, this is Eric. Before we jump into this message and admire the mountain fortifications of Hitler along the Gustav line in 1944, I wanted to mention that we have a late fall week-long intensive training that we added to our calendar due to the sizable interest in our trainings this fall. The dates are November 7th through 13th. If you are hungry for some spiritual straight talk, why don't you prayerfully consider participating in this training? Now let's join the frustrated Allied troops as they labor for four long months in early 1944 to break through the seemingly impassable Gustav line. And while we're at it, let's learn the great secret of breakthroughs revealed in and through the cross of Christ. So we are... uh... I don't know if you you were to say ankle deep in World War uh, II, that probably wouldn't be a good enough description when you're on episode 62. So I don't know if that means waist deep or if that means neck deep. I'm not exactly sure how long this series is going to go, but we are in technically late 1943, but we're going to crest, I know this is a pretty exciting day, into 1944, which for most World War II fans is like the year. And that's mainly because June 6th of 1944 is the day. It's called D-Day. And so it is a very, very significant day. World War II is going to start in September of 1939. So just to show you how deep in we are. So I guess if you were to look at that uh, uh, statistically on a chart, we'd probably be around chest deep. Wouldn't that be about right? Uh, so we're pretty deep in World War II and loving it. For those of you that are not fans of World War II, you just need to listen to the first 61 episodes and you will become a fan. But it's not because of war. It's not. That's not why this is attractive. It's because it shows the movements in the physical realm of how the spiritual side of things operates. And as a result, it acquaints us better with the significance of how truth works in this world against lies, how light works against darkness, or even how, you could say, how darkness tries to work against light, tries to get it to turn off. And because when light turns on, darkness has no, no chance. It's just simply uh, that statement. The two just are not equals. You, you don't set light against darkness and then say, I wonder who's going to win. You know who's going to win. However, when the light turns off, then darkness can reign, and the church is the light bearers. And so when the church goes silent, when the church stops shining, then darkness can actually encroach. And of course, that's almost like a summation of where we are today. The church is not functional at the level it ought to be, and as a result, darkness is making a move on our culture here in America, but I'm sure if people are listening around the world, they are say, yeah, uh, that darkness is making a move on our country too. Okay, this is a an assault, and it's a worldwide assault right now. And what is needed is the church to revive. Is that simple, as far as I'm concerned? And so let's go after that as the body of Christ. This is a fascinating uh, meditation today. It's called the Gustav line. And uh, a line in war is typically an entrenchment, especially since World War I. Uh, You're going to create these entrenchments uh, and barricades. uh, What used to be old castle walls and old castle gates and and city gates is is now uh, a military operation. will establish a long line of fortifications to try and keep an enemy from proceeding. And so we have, uh, in Italy, in late 1943 into what we're going to see, 1944, the Germans are backtracking, and they're not too happy about it. Hitler is, uh, I'm going to say, a little upset right now. Of course, if you study him, he's upset a lot. Uh, But he's, he's a little upset because he has lost North Africa to the Allies. Remember, this guy's used to winning. All the way back in the 30s, he started taking territory that didn't belong to him. So he's going to claim uh, the Rhineland, which he was not allowed to move troops into, and no one did anything, no one resisted. Then he's gonna take Austria, then he's going to take the Sudetenland, then he's gonna take Czechoslovakia, no one will do anything. And it shocked all of uh, Hitler's generals. And then he's gonna move against Poland, and that's his mistake that's going to trigger World War II. He, uh, he, he guessed that no one would do anything however there was finally a response which we could say praise god that there was a response otherwise the whole world would eventually just be speaking uh german and which isn't bad you know i'm german right so there's nothing wrong with german i don't want to say that however we would be under a nazi flag and that is something that's bad german that doesn't e- equal evil Hitler, that will equal evil in our study of World War II. I just want you to clarify that since I'm German. We, we need to be, you know, we need to be sharp in how we identify things here. But Hitler is used to winning. And up until a battle called Stalingrad, he is going to win every single battle that he's in. And what's interesting is up until a battle called El Alamein, the British will never win a battle. And so in, in 1948, We're going to see a shift. Actually, it's at the very end of 1942, into 1943, we're going to see a shift, and the Allies actually begin to win. And the bad guys, the Axis powers, begin to lose. And that doesn't go over well with Hitler. So Hitler begins, he loses North Africa, he loses the Mediterranean, and the Allies are moving up into the boot of Italy. Oh, no. And so Hitler is going to draw a line and we're gonna call it the Gustav Line. It's not because I named it, uh, but that's, that's a historic name for it. The Allies will call it the Winter Line, but because this is in January, January 22nd of 1944, who wants to go to a mountain region of Italy and fight a, fight a war? <laughs> and that's exactly what's gonna happen. So it's called the Winter Line to the Allies, but the Gustav Line, and the Gustav Line is made up of a whole bunch of micro lines okay so this is an entrenchment in the mountainous territory of mid-italy which i'll give you a, a map and it's not it's the place no one on earth would ever want to fight especially during the winter and it's going to create more casualty per uh capita if you want to say it that way than almost any other battle in all of world war ii it is going to be a slaughterhouse to try and gain this territory and after four months nothing will have been gained so it's a lot of loss for no gain and the reason i'm bringing this up isn't because it's a fun meditation to think of okay that was a waste it's the recognition that we're sort of like italy and the and god is moving in our life this enemy that is not used to losing and he's very upset about it is being pushed back but oftentimes he'll draw a gustav line in our life and we'll find a stagnation in our forward progress We'll find a stalemate. We'll find that we'll keep fighting the same battle over and over in the mountains uh, of middle Italy, and we'll finally oftentimes give up. And so what we're going to bring out today is a very key element of forward progression in the spiritual life, the Gustav line. Adolf Hitler says, the Gustav line must be held at all costs for the sake of the political consequences which would follow a completely successful defense. He knows that if he can maintain the Gustav line, he is going to actually create the ambiance that he is unbeatable again. Because it's starting, you know, rumors starting to pass that maybe Hitler could be beaten. Okay, it's sort of like the thing, it's like, did you hear that Jesus rose from the dead? I think the devil's head was crushed. And then you look at the church and you're thinking, no, I actually think the devil has some power. It's a political consequence and, the, and Adolf Hitler knows that if he can regain his, his reputation by holding the Gustav line, then maybe people will begin to tremble before him again. It's a very interesting tactical maneuver because the devil's doing that right now. We actually are convinced that maybe the devil still is in control, maybe he does have power. Uh, reminder to the church of Jesus Christ, his head was crushed. He is defeated. However, when he holds the Gustav line, you have to admit, there are political consequences in our thinking, and we do believe that he is something rather stout and powerful. So there's the Gustav line. So for those of you that are familiar with your geography, Italy is known by being the boot, right? And that's, for whatever reason, the one country that many of us know in Europe, you know, because of its shape. And whether or not that's a sad commentary or a good commentary, at least hey, we recognize Italy, right? And so Italy, uh, and so all of this territory, the islands, and uh, and that boot, the bottom boot portion, up to basically the lower calf region of Italy, has been taken by the Allies at this juncture. So we're again we're cresting into 1944, and. Uh, Hitler is going to basically create this line. It's along a mountainous region, and we're calling it the Gustav Line. And Mount Cassino is going to be this key battlefront, which I'm not going to go into today. You'll hear it referenced. But this is going to be this central point of access where the Allies define that as the key point, and so do the axes. And you're going to have the conflict. But you're also going to have a stalemate. They cannot break through it. So January 22nd, 1944, hitting the Gustav line. We're gonna, they, the Allies called this Operation Shingle. I like almost every name for every operation that the Allies have. I'm not a big fan of that name. I don't know what it is. Operation Shingle just doesn't sound that... If they had named it better, they probably would have won. But the name just itself is pretty pitiful. Operation Shingle? Come on, guys. You need to put me on the naming committee for operations because I would have voted that one down. History.com, this is, I usually don't go to history.com to give little pieces, but I thought this enunciated it very simply as far as an understanding of what I want to share, because I don't want to teach about the wars along the Gustav line. It's very depressing, by the way. I don't want to just talk about, what, 700,000 men that died. I mean, it's a huge amount. I don't remember the exact amount. huge amount are going to die in this zone in this little four-month period, okay? It's very sad, right? That's not what I want to focus on this will just sort of say it simply. Germans entrenched in the high Apennine mountains at Cassino brought the mobile Allied army to a grinding halt for four months. An intended quick push inland at Anzio became bogged down in driving rains, German air raids, and command hesitation. If you study World War I, that's the summary of World War I. Everything about World War One is these big, huge movements that get bogged down, and then hundreds of thousands of men die on both sides. And it is the same. it's a rinse, repeat. Rinse, repeat, rinse repeat. And in World War II, we've learned from that, to not get involved in such battles. But once you're involved, there's not a lot you can do, because if you pull back, then the enemy feels the victory. And so as a result, you don't want Hitler to think he's won, so you keep pressing, you keep losing lives. Hitler can't pull back, and so you end up just grinding men into this uh, meat grinder, and it's a very, very sad affair. And that's what's happening here But this is what many of us as Christians spend a good deal of our time on. The same exact thing. We have our vice. We have our issue. It's a Gustav line in our life. And we labor. We labor to somehow break through in this area. And we cannot push the devil back. So what do we do there? Do we give up? You see, our issue is we're fighting incorrectly. When you try and take on the devil head to head, you're going to lose. Doesn't that sound terrible? It's like, wait a minute, Eric. I I could have sworn the gospel says something different. It does. It says that Jesus is the one that deals with the devil. And so when we try and take on the devil, we try and take on our issues in our human oomph, our human grit and determination, we're going to create a Gustav line. We can mean well, we can do our best, but we're going to grind a good season of our life into powder, and with great frustration and the sense of defeat lingering upon us, God desires us to win this battle. And here, I, I hate—I don't want to give away any spoilers, and I've been trying not to do that as I've been going through this. You know, of course, any of you could just go and study this and figure it all out. However, I'm going to give a subtle spoiler because it doesn't give away the whole war. Italy is going to be taken for the Allies. In totality, it will be taken. But right now, it doesn't look good. And there's going to be a secret key to unlocking the Gustav line that is not going to come from the south moving north, trying to grit our teeth and break through this line. It's going to come from a different direction. And the same is true in our lives. If we want to win the Gustav line, it's not going to be won from the south moving north up through the mountains. It actually needs to be hit from a different direction. Winston Churchill. This is, okay, I love Winston Churchill quotes, and of course, I've spent a good deal of time quoting Winston Churchill. By the way, have I mentioned that my middle name is Winston? (laughs) <laughs> it's been a couple episodes since I said it, so I just want to keep it fresh. You know, someone could be just showing up with a podcast and clicking. They need to hear that established. I'm a big Winston Churchill fan, and he, he, he has some of the greatest quotes. I wish I could whip out quotes like this, but this is his summary. He's going to send his troops in, and he has convinced Roosevelt, which is a very difficult thing to do, convince Eisenhower that this is worthy of the investment of troops, Okay and it is going to just grind them to powder. So it's definitely one of those things you're going to see Winston Churchill sort of trying to backtrack on and go, well, I intended this, and it wasn't supposed to be this. So listen to this quote. I had hoped we were hurling a wildcat onto the shore, but all we got was a stranded whale. (laughs) So there's a good summary for you of how Winston Churchill feels about it. Dealing with entrenched strongholds. I can't speak for you of what your battles have been. Having lived in a human body for 49 plus years, I'm very familiar with my own version of Italy. And I, in dealing with biblical counsel with countless men and women throughout uh, my season in ministry, I'm very familiar with others' Italys. <laughs> in other words, I understand this battle And I understand the tensions and the difficulties. I understand the frustrations that can be in there, where you're spending a whole season of your life. You know, in this case, it was four months, which isn't that big of a deal. For most of us, we'd be like, I wish mine was just four months. Mine was 40 years, right? And it's an ongoing battle of saying, a lot of us have given up, and it's either a stalemate or a surrender. And Hitler's not budging. I'm tired of trying to fight him. And so as a result, you relinquish the fight, as opposed to appropriating the fight properly. There is a victory that you can appropriate to break through the Gustav line, and that is critical for all of us to be reminded of. But it's how we fight this battle that defines a victory or a defeat. So the Gustav line, this is just Fascinating to me as far as to process this through, but the Gustav line actually has six different lines. I did not name these, these are actually the names of these lines. Okay, now why they named them, I haven't studied that. I'm sure there's really fascinating reasons of why they studied the or why they named them this, but you have the Volturno line, the Barbara line, my mom's name is Barbara. I wonder how she would feel about that. Uh, the Bernhardt line, the Hitler line, the Caesar line, and the Rome switch line. So there's six lines that make up the Gustav line. The Gustav line is a specific line, but then there's these other lines that are, I'm gonna call them fortifications, strongholds. They are tactical lines that the enemy is going to create to hinder forward progress. So you could break one line, and then you got another one here. And so I don't know how you feel about that. You finally break through the the Barbara line, and then you have the Hitler line. It's like, oh, I mean, what? How many years did it take me to finally break through the Barber line and now I got the Hitler line? You see, the enemy is going to create that web, that nettlesome barrier to hinder your forward progress. And like I said, you can try and keep hitting it from the south. I'm sorry, you're from the south, hit it going north. You can try and do that or you can allow God to do it his way. So what I did here is I actually created, now there isn't any symbolism with the names of, of these things, with these things, but I'm giving you a sampling of how you could understand what this Gustav line is. Okay, that each of these sub lines sort of represent strongholds that the enemy tries to establish in our life. We're set free by Jesus. The allies have come in. The great victory of the cross has been accomplished on our behalf, and now we're we're seeing God gain ground in our life and then halt there is something that seems to push back. It's like, How could that work? The devil doesn't like to lose his territory, and many of us are shocked that anything could continue to stand. I mean, weren't we set free by the shed blood of Jesus? Didn't we believe? We don't understand how a Gustav line could be there. I'm sure Italy is sort of struggling with the same thing, because on Monday I talked about the fact that Mussolini, who had ruled for 20 years uh, you know he, w- he was ousted he was removed he was arrested and he was stuck on the island of ponza you know he's he's in detention he's in captivity and he escapes oh no and then he ends up being over that northern portion uh-huh that's the republic of uh i can't remember the name of it what is it solo solo republic of solo boy i need to do my uh my refreshment on that one and he establishes his own little nation, but it's not really his, it's Hitler's. He is a puppet of Hitler. so Monday's message is called the puppet government. And so we have the return of something that we are familiar with in the past, but we weren't expecting it when we were moving forward in Italy and we were taking this territory, we were moving so quick, victory, victory, victory. Ha! Gustav Lime. And he, there's an entrenchment there that we were not expecting. And so we have labored for the last four months and we have chewed up human lives to get this through or chewed up our life. And some of us even, our entire faith infrastructure can be rocked in and through this process. A lot of men, it's the issue of sensuality and lust, where they know the victory of the cross and they have such a confidence when they come to Christ and they start moving up through Italy and boom, they run into the Gustav line and it rocks their faith. For some people, it's fear. They can't figure out because they even feel guilty about it. They know they're not supposed to have it. I mean, it's all over the Bible, right? Fear not. And yet they have this Gustav line that they run into. And as a result, it can shake the moorings of your faith because you thought that enemy was defeated. He is. It's appropriating that when we try and take on the enemy in our own strength and power, we will find that he will best us. There is another way of dealing with it. Oh, did I even read through these? The Volturno line, selfishness. The Barbara line, pride. Feel bad, because my mom's name is Barbara, and now I just put pride next to her name. Uh, So, uh, mom, if you hear this, I'm really sorry. You're not proud, but the Barbara line, which is very different than you, uh, represents pride in my little illustration here. The Bernhardt line, fear. The Hitler line, sensuality. The Caesar line, greed. The Rome switch line, lies. There are things that have ruled our life that we are familiar with, that in our old state, were there, but in our new state, shouldn't be. So why why is it there? If I am truly set free by Jesus Christ, if I have been filled with the Holy Spirit, how how could I still have this in my life, this resistance to forward movement? Because I genuinely desire all of Italy to be taken for the Allies why is there resistance? You have an enemy. And that enemy is very real. I I, I remember at the very beginning of this series, I think I mentioned the fact that there's a well-known Christian writer that's upset. He's upset with uh, Christians always using the war metaphor is what he calls calls it. And I just want to make it clear, it's not a metaphor. A metaphor is when you compare something real with something that is similar, but of a different kind. We are in a war, and it is a very real war, and it's not a metaphorical war. It is a real war. Just because it's spiritual does not remove the fact that it is a very genuine and real war. And so what you see happening on the terrain of Italy, in the mountainous zone of Italy, is a parallel to help us understand what has happened in the mountainous zone of our own lives. And when you understand the battles of history, you actually begin to explain to your own understanding. It's like, okay, I get it. Somehow the Gustav line is going to be broken. You know, but it's not going to be broken from the south moving north. This is, I mean, it's extraordinary how this happens. The secret of breakthrough. Am I going to give it to you? All right, here it is. Take Berlin. Berlin. Take the seats of where Hitler is running his entire government. Take that. And guess what? The Gustav line will break. Why? Because who's holding the Gustav line? Hitler. So as a result, what you're going to see, and I don't want to give any spoilers away, but Hitler is going to fall in his capital. And it's a greater power than is coming against uh, the Gustav line from the south moving north. And when that falls, get this the same day, the Gustav line will break. You hit the capital. You allow Christ to fight his battle for you, and then your line breaks. When you try and fight it from your angle, as opposed to God fighting it from his, you will find a continued war. May 2nd, 1945, the fall of Berlin, which I'm not gonna give anything away uh, on, but it's, it's a story in and of itself. Berlin is going to fall, which is amazing. Usually you're gonna see the white flag long before the capital city is taken. And Hitler, I mean, it's, it's a pretty dark uh, situation, pretty dark story, but Hitler is going to fall. He's literally going to die. Uh, and so there you have it, uh, Hitler's uh, end, the fall of Berlin, The breakthrough in Italy. The breakthrough in Italy? Yeah, it comes at the same end. This is for us as Christians, this is the cross. And when we appropriate the cross, as opposed to us attempting to muscle our way through, and we recognize there is the victory, and we keep our eyes on the victory, on Christ's work, and that's what I'm gonna go through in just a second. I'm gonna show you how to appropriate that properly. So the basketball court illustration, when I'm teaching on how grace works and how the Holy Spirit works in our life, I'll use this illustration of a basketball court, okay? And so imagine that this stage is a basketball court, and over here is a hoop, okay? Now that hoop uh, is, uh, instead of 10 feet high, let's put it maybe 10 million feet high, okay? Just to create an impossibility, okay? So you have a ball And imagine that I say, you have to make it without hitting the rim. It has to swish through the net, and you have to make it every time you shoot. That's the requirements of righteousness. (laughs) That's what a godly person would do. If you want to have anything to do with God who makes his shots every time, then you need to be like him. Okay, that's what the law is going to do. It's going to establish an impossibility. However, as impossible as that is, many of us will still try. And we will attempt to take the Gustav line, over on this side of the court. And we will, in our own natural ability, in our own flesh, we will attempt to please God. And so we will toss the ball up as high as we can and miss. (laughs) We cannot do it. So it's until we come to the end of ourselves after the four months of the meat grinder in the mountains of Italy, it was like, I don't know how to beat these guys. They are entrenched in a mountainous zone and every guy we send up there just dies. We cannot break through. What do we do? So there's another side of the court and uh, in it there's this little vacuum system. And what you need to do, it sort of even gives you directions like set your ball here and it's like it sucks in the ball, sends it up through this piping system, brings it all the way over. I mean, this is millions of miles, right, of piping, but it sucks it up, and it drops it every time, right through the hoop. Perfect swish every time. It was just right above it, right? Just drops it through. I mean, you make it every time, but who's doing the work? It's God's creation, what he has done. He's created this whole contraption. It's called the way to making the shot. His name is Jesus. Okay, this is how God's system works. Your job is to trust his ability to do it, his work on the cross, this contraption that he built to make your shot work and get in. Now, you can try this. You can try to break the Gustav line in your own strength. You can try, believe me. Most people spend a lot of their life trying to break the Gustav line. Or you can trust that Jesus, when he says, actually, I... I've broken the Gustav line for you. Here's the key. Here's what you need to do. You need to trust. You need to stick your confidence in me. And what you're going to see is that line snaps. Paul the Apostle, Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still fighting for our life on the Gustav line, we need to recognize that something has been done for us while we are still even when we hadn't even taken italy even when the mediterranean was controlled by the axes even when north africa was in Axis territory he did something for us he's like uh, eric what, what are you doing over there i'm taking territory yep well okay but i'll let you i'll let you try in other words where we try and do something for him you ever done that i'm going to do this for jesus as opposed to allowing Jesus to do it in us and through us. It's a flip in our mindset. It's like a different set of glasses. The great secret to Christianity isn't you doing something for Jesus, it's him doing something for you, moving in and continuing to do the something for you. It's called grace, by the way. Jesus did something for you, grace. Jesus doing something for you right now, in you, through you, that's grace. How are you saved? you're saved by grace through faith. It's him working for you. That's how Christianity works. He must take Berlin for you, and when he does, and you understand that, you appropriate it, Gustav line melts. So the emphasis, Christ died for us. It's not that you need to die for your sins. You don't need to die to break the Gustav line. He died to break the Gustav line. When you understand that it's an appropriation of the work of Christ, we are bent, there's a twisting in our thinking which causes us to default when we first enter into our Italian campaign as Christians to say, God, I'll do this for you. Thank you for getting me across the Mediterranean. I really appreciate that. Thank you for getting me onto this land. Now, I will take it from here. And we have a tendency to now own the battle ourselves, as opposed to allow him to continue to fight it. He's the one and his work on the cross is our secret key to unlocking Italy the entire way through. Many of us know it's the secret to getting on the island. We're like, okay, that's thanks to Jesus but then we take it into our own hands when we hit the Gustav line. Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, if one died for all, then all died. Now one of the interesting inversions of this concept is, if one man was victorious, then that victory spreads. So when the allies are gonna take Berlin, so the allied victory in Berlin is actually going to have a chain reaction in Italy. Does that make sense? One man dies and therefore all die. One man is victorious, therefore all battlefronts suddenly win. And so when you recognize that, that the secret is his working in Berlin, when he hits the capital, and the nuclear explosion goes off at the cross and he crushes the serpent's head and he says, it is finished. That is a chain reaction to every other line. So here's the gospel truth. If the ally, Christ Jesus, he's the capital A ally, took Hitler in Berlin, then I can break through the Gustav line in northern Italy. And that's 2nd Profundities 514. In other words, that's the reasoning. I understand that if he took Berlin, now I can take this line. It's not because of your grit and determination and the fact that you decided to finally overcome these things. It's that he has overcome them. Your confidence is in his victory, and as a result, because of his victory, you know that this line cannot stop you from moving forward now. Paul the Apostle gives us the, the, the secret. This is uh, in Ephesians 6, which is going to be talking about the armor of God as this unfolds, right? Our battle is not against flesh and blood. So this is a war illustration that this is in the context of. You want to be strong? Here's how you do it. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So I'm struggling with the Gustav line, God. And so what's Paul saying? It's like, Eric, don't you understand how this works? You're you're trying to be strong in your own military abilities, your own reasoning, your own willpower and oomph and determination. That's not how you're strong as a Christian. Be strong in the Lord, which is the equivalent of saying be strong in His working, be strong in what He can do for you, and in the power, not of your might, not of your willpower, not of your determination, not of your grit, your gumption, but in the power of His might. So here's Wowser 610, okay, this is my little uh, way of saying it. Be strong in the victory of your ally over Hitler in Berlin. Be strong in that. Imagine you got news as you're standing in the Gustav line. Hitler has fallen. He's actually dead. Berlin is taken. (laughs) I mean, that's going to give you a whole new perspective on the Gustav line. It's like, oh, oh, really? You think you're going to continue to hold this? Now the very one who's telling you to give up your life to defend this line is no longer even alive. Okay, shove, fall over, dominoes everywhere. In other words, your confidence when you know what he has done and you remember what he has done, that he has fallen, Berlin is taken. So be strong in the victory of your ally over Hitler in Berlin and charge the Gustav Line in the power infusing knowledge of that triumph. When you know that he has defeated Hitler in Berlin, you no longer fear his defenses. You no longer shudder before his bluff and his bluster, but you charge forward, not in your own strength, but in the knowledge of what he has done, in the power of his accomplishment. He has won the victory. So riding the fire-breathing stallion bareback. Now, if you've gone through Ellerslie, you've heard this illustration. I'm trying to remember where it comes out, but it may be like in the measurement of a man. I will... Leslie used to have me travel with her, and I would, uh, she would say, I'm going to have my husband come up, and he's going to uh, share with you, uh, ladies, what a marriageable man is. Okay, so that was, that was how it began, and I would come up, and uh, I would give an illustration, uh, and this, was, this is what it was. I said, imagine that you take a man and put him on a gradient scale from zero to ten. And uh, so, I would, I would inform all the ladies that they shouldn't marry a zero, Okay, a zero, a lot of them still have done that, but a zero is a, is a man who has never awakened from his stupor, his selfish slumber, which is life is all about him for his glory, for his comforts, for his ease. If a man is stuck in that stupor, you don't want to marry him, right? So a marriageable man is not going to be a one. What is a one? A one is a man who is awakened from his stupor, and he has recognized that there is a calling upon his life. He has this grand vision of strength and sensitivity to be strong when the moment is needed for him to stand up and to be soft in the moment that he needs to be soft. There's a, there's a point where you draw the steel, and there's a point where you draw a cup of cool water. And you need to know as a man which one, but you need to turn outward. And a man that is awakened to that vision, I mean, this is exciting, this is a one, but a one is seeing the vision, and he's seen the fire-snorting stallion. And he knows that to get to that vision, he needs to ride this. And this is quite the creature, okay, this fire-snorting stallion. It breathes fire and smoke. If you look at it, its muscles literally ripple as it just stands there. I mean, you're just in awe of this fire-snorting stallion. And so when you're young, when you go from zero to one, your first instinct is to just throw your leg over the side, bareback, and go, charge! Don't marry this man, okay? And it's not because he doesn't esteem the right things, it's that he has no idea what he has stepped into. He has no idea what he's just jumped on the back of, okay? So if you watch closely, you're going to find that he is going to go airborne in a matter of seconds. A fire-snorting stallion, okay? He's going to, whew! This fire story stallion is going to throw him off, and he's going to go, he's going to be tossed, what, a couple hundred yards? And there's this pile of manure that that man has spent a lot of his life in that he's going to land in again. And that's a defining moment for a man because many men will never get back up. A two is a man who gets back up. He stands up and he looks back at that stallion and he's like, I don't know how to ride you, but I know I must. And he's in the Gustav line. And number two is a man who is struggling with the Gustav line because he keeps getting thrown off. And what I would say to a girl is just, oh, hold on, don't marry him. Watch him. And if the man subsides, gives up, forsakes the Gustav line, and lets Hitler begin to take back over Italy, you're very glad you didn't marry the guy, right? Right. But at this juncture, you have the tension of soul. It's called the dark night of the soul. When a man is struggling, he, he knows he needs to ride this fire-snorting stallion. He knows the vision. He sees it. All of Italy gained for the allies. He sees it, but he can't make it happen in his own strength. The only thing he seems to be able to do is get tossed into that pile of manure, which he despises. What does a guy do? Well, so what I say is a three is a marriageable man not because he's a 10. He's a work in process. There's a lot of gradients of growth there, but a three is a marriageable man. Why? Because he learned the key to the Gustav line. He learned how to ride the fire-snorting stallion, which, by the way, is impossible to ride. You're like, wait a minute. I think you just contradicted yourself, Eric. No, I didn't, because I'm going to explain. There is only one who has ever been able to ride this fire-snorting stallion and his name is Jesus. The master horseman has tamed him. Everyone else will get tossed. The secret to riding the fire-snorting stallion is that he needs to ride it for you. So he sits on the fire-snorting stallion and goes, come on up, Eric. Come on up into my lap. You're like, "There's there's a manly dignity thing here. You see, a marriageable man is a man who has to humble himself and acknowledge, I can't break this line. God, I can't break through the Gustav line. I really desire all of Italy to be yours, but I can't muster whatever is needed to get past this mountainous zone. For whatever reason, the enemy keeps besting me. Step, get up here on my lap, Eric, and let me write it for you. You see, if we sit in the lap of our Savior, we can actually reach that destination but it's not because we marshaled the strength it's because we trusted that his ability to do it is our ability one man died therefore all died one man conquered the stallion therefore all that will rest in his lap and in his care can ride the same stallion you know what the stallion is perfect righteousness You try and ride perfect righteousness, you're going to find that you can't. He can. The secret to the gospel is appropriating his ability and acknowledging your inability. Your ability as a Christian stems directly from his ability to take Berlin. From his ability to stay on that stallion, you rest in his work, you rest in his power, and you will be able to go through the Gustav line. Christianity 101. What we are talking about is a basic feature of triumph in Christianity, but it is one of those ones that I could probably give this message from 10 different angles, and maybe on the 10th time you go, I get it. It's a hard thing, and I, I, you can't force it. As, as a teacher of the gospel, I'm always like, how do you say this? Where someone goes, I get it. It's not me. It's something the Spirit of God does, where one day you're just like, I get it. It's not me. And you'll say the same thing I've been saying this whole time. It's not me that breaks the Gustav line. It's his victory that actually unlocks it. When you appropriate his victory, when you cherish his victory, when you walk in his victory, when you remember his victory, when you understand that he is the only one that can win this battle, then you've learned the secret to winning the battle. Set your basketball in his mechanism for victory, which is the cross, You say, God, I trust that you can do this. And it gets sucked up and you actually win the shot. You make the shot that you could never make. You try in your own strength to break the Gustav line and it will never get broken. You have lines in your life that are broken. You need to now appropriate that victory. Berlin has already been taken. Wouldn't it be strange if you are fearing the Gustav line that you fought for so many years in your own strength, when in actuality someone just needs to say, Berlin was taken. Hitler is gone. Are you serious? Why are we fearing this then? You need to remember, Berlin is taken. The enemy's head was crushed. Father, Thank you. Thank you for doing the work. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would tutor our souls to know how to ride that fire snorting stallion. That we would understand how to rest in your working, how to get into your lap and allow you to do something for us that we can't do for ourselves. Lord, this is something that only the Holy Spirit can explain to our souls and our understanding. I pray that you would, that you would raise up a triumphant church for such an hour as this. Break the Gustav line, Lord. Lord, in each of our lives, I pray that there would be breakthrough today. We love you and trust you. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily Monday through Friday at 8.15 a.m. And our weekend service is streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellersley campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.